Years ago, someone once said to me, Happy Resurrection Day. I was taken aback for a minute and I thought, yeah, that's what it should be called. So then why do we call it Easter? Well, I'll provide that answer and much more on today's episode of the Glowing Coals Podcast. Hello, I'm James, and welcome to the Glowing Coals Podcast. So why do Christians say, Happy Easter? What does Easter even mean? Well, I did some research on the origins of the word Easter and came across an article on usnews.com titled, Why Easter is Called Easter and Other Facts About the Holiday. This is what the article says. The naming of the celebration as Easter seems to go back to the name of a pre-Christian goddess in England, Istra who was celebrated at the beginning of spring. The only reference to this goddess comes from the writings of the Venerable Bede, a British monk who lived in the late 7th and early 8th century. As religious studies scholar Bruce Forbes summarizes, Bede wrote that the month in which English Christians were celebrating the resurrection of Jesus had been called Eastermoth in Old English, which simply means the month of opening, which is spring, which refers to a goddess named Eastra. And even though Christians had begun affirming the Christian meaning of the celebration, they continued to use the name of the goddess to designate the season. Bede was so influential for later Christians that the name stuck. And hence, Easter remains the name by which the English, Germans, and Americans refer to the festival of Jesus' resurrection. But here's the rub, at least for me. Because of the commercialization of the holiday, even non-Christians celebrate Easter, and obviously for different reasons. All one has to do is cruise the aisles of a store and immediately the word Easter becomes synonymous with chocolate bunnies, marshmallow chicks, and jelly beans. And so, in the spirit of removing everything pagan from Christianity, I now say instead, Happy Resurrection Day, even as a reply when someone first wishes me a happy Easter. And I encourage you to do the same. Now that we have sorted that out, let's talk about the resurrection. For the Christian, this refers to when Jesus rose from the dead on the third day after his crucifixion. And why is the resurrection important? Well, without the resurrection, there would be no Christianity. And since Jesus was the first fruits of God's harvest, all who put their faith in Jesus, in who he is, and what he accomplished on the cross, will one day be resurrected too. But for many, they simply do not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Let me provide you 12 evidences for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And for further study, you can read the article yourself that I provided in the show notes. Number one, Jesus' tomb was empty. And for those who claim his body was stolen, may I remind you that it has never been recovered? Jesus foretold about his death and resurrection to his disciples. So let's look at some of Paul's writings in Luke chapter 9, verse 22. Jesus says, The Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Matthew describes in his account that when those guarding Jesus' tomb saw an angel roll away the stone, they fled in fear. Matthew 28, verses 11 through 15 says, While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people 
His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Number two, Jesus appeared alive to a diverse and varied group of people, including men, women, friends, and enemies. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 through 8 says, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Number three, there was a short time frame between the actual events and eyewitness claims. According to Acts 9 verses 1 through 5, Luke states, But Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Number four, the transformation of the apostles. At the time of Jesus' death, they all abandoned him. After Jesus later appeared to them, they were radically changed and became fearless, even in the face of death, to proclaim that Jesus was alive. John 20 verses 25 through 28 says this about Thomas, one of Jesus' apostles. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the marks of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Number 5. Saul of Tarsus, the most zealous member of the party of the Pharisees, who traveled far and wide to hunt down and arrest the followers of Jesus, became the greatest advocate of the Christian faith after he met the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. Saul, now going by the name of Paul, had a dramatic conversion to the movement he once hated. Acts 9 verses 1 through 30 says, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, whether men or women, he might bring them in shackles to Jerusalem. Now, as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, 
and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up, enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him to Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer in behalf of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like fish scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. All those hearing him continued to be amazed, and were saying, Is this not the one who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name, and had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were also closely watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But his disciples took him at night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried repeatedly to associate with the disciples, and yet they were all afraid of him, as they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had talked to him, and how he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus at Damascus. And he was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death. Now when the brothers learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea 
and sent him away to Tarsus. Number six, the extraordinary historical emergence of the Christian church. Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Over 2,000 years later, the church is still here, even though Christianity is the most persecuted faith in the world. Number seven, Christians worship on Sunday rather than Saturday the Sabbath, observed by the Jews. The resurrection of Jesus therefore set historic Christianity apart from the Judaism of its day. That same truth of resurrected life sets the faith apart from all other religions through the centuries. Both of these historical elements support the factual nature of Jesus' resurrection. Number eight, Paul's writings just 20 years after Jesus' death have plenty of references to Jesus' resurrection, while many of those who seen the risen Jesus were still alive. Number nine, Eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection involve historical and factual events. Number 10. The burial places of famous people were often venerated in the ancient world. However, Jesus Christ is arguably the most famous person in all of history, and yet no grave or tomb has ever said to have permanently contained his body. According to his apostles, Jesus' tomb is empty, for his body has been raised. The unique Christian truth claim is that the one-of-a-kind Jesus, the very Son of God, conquered death. Number 11. A crucified Messiah would have been viewed by all Jewish Christians as cursed by God. In other words, if Jesus had been merely crucified with no resurrection to follow, then he would have been viewed by all Jews as a false prophet who was obviously cursed by the Lord God, Yahweh. Number 12. If the events surrounding the resurrection of Jesus didn't involve the supernatural, then there should be a viable natural explanation to account for the data. Yet none of the many naturalistic alternative theories hold water. In conclusion, I will leave you with this quote from Pastor David Jeremiah's Daily Devotional. Jesus entered into time so that we might have eternity. This was accomplished through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Thank you for listening. Until next time, God willing, God bless. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Please tell others about this podcast by rating us and leaving a review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on most other platforms. If you are watching this on YouTube, please like, subscribe, and leave a comment. And don't forget to click the bell for future notifications. All scriptures quoted from the English Standard Version and the New American Standard Bible, 1995.